welcome to this episode of the Gaming Podcast. I do hope you're staying safe out there and please stay indoors and follow your local government advice. This is the very first of our new virtual podcast, so please bear with us as we might be dealing with a few teething problems and technical gremlins uh, as we all stay connected via the internet for the power of uh, this podcast. You can check out more, as always, from Gaming Magazine by visiting www.gamingmag.com, G-A-Y-M-I-N-G, mag.com. And remember, uh, new episodes of the Gaming Podcast come out every two weeks. If you're new to the podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss another episode. A quick shout out to our newest patrons, uh, Michael Bain, Martin at GSS, Ian Masters, and Brandon Cortez. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, you too can become a patron of Gaming Magazine and benefit from loads of exclusive content, competitions, and so much more. Head to patreon.com forward slash gaming mag. Patreon is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash g-a-y-m-i-n-g mag. Uh, later in the show, I'll be joined by Ryan Brown to talk about his work at Numskull Designs and Games. But first, to talk through the usual topics of games we've been playing, and news stories we've been reading, I'm joined by the wonderful Matt Cameron and Ed Nightingale. Hello. How are you both? Hello. I, I hear voices in the ether, but it's been so long since I saw a human face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> human contact, even if it's behind screens and in different cities and via digital methods. This is, this is the norm now. Constant video calls. Oh, God, isn't it? It's, uh, it's amazing how much is getting done in a sort of digital way. Well, if if your jobs or roles are performable in a digital space, I really feel for the people whose jobs are like meat space only. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's sort of I think people that are still going out onto the front lines deserve our sort of love and support. Um, but also, yeah, people that are very sort of that have been sort of put to one side as a result of this uh, is equally a sort of tough a tough time for everybody. Um, <laughs> And thoughts and stuff go out to them, but obviously the the strength of what we have is is around games and gaming, and and that's what we're here to talk about and try and bring some light and levity into their in, into their lives while everyone's doing the responsible thing and socially isolating. A breath of fresh air. Well, <laughs> a breath of stale apartment air or whereabouts you're living at the moment. I think we're that... still allowed to open the windows. Well, yeah, and and the stupid thing is that the air quality and stuff in cities around the world i think india clocked in their best air quality index for decades yeah as a result of this so it is Na- nasa has some fascinating uh, orbital maps uh tracking uh, i think it's nitrous oxide emissions and mm. year on year that they've basically just vanished yeah it's wow it is crazy um but yeah it's the sort of if you were sort of uh, of a pagan mindset and, and believed in this sort of thing, this is Mother Earth just sort of like saying, right, I gave you so many options. Now you're all grounded. Stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> Mother needs to breathe for a bit. No, no pocket money. Exactly. Um, we're going to kick off our opening segment, which as always is what's in your slot. Uh, this is where I ask each guest to talk about the games they've recently been playing. And obviously, given the current crisis, we've all been playing quite a lot of games, I imagine, at the moment. Um, I'm going to kick off with the one that I think the entire world's been playing. And obviously, we spoke about it quite a lot on the last podcast, which is Animal Crossing, New Horizons, uh, the ideal world um, of what could be while we're all sat indoors. 
Uh, we could be running around our little islands, uh, collecting up shells and selling things to a racketeering raccoon. Um, so yeah, that's my sort of, I've, I've been absolutely fascinated. Um, I think I mentioned on the last podcast how this is my first experience of animal, of an animal crossing game. Um, and I, I think Matt, you described it as like the most peaceful sort of fun loving, uh, game there is and, and just being nice to everybody. It's a kindness Um, simulator. It is exactly. Um, what we need. Yeah, it's, I've been sort of like writing loads of sort of love letters to everybody and it's all getting very creepy. Um, although I've, I've also sort of, for you, Robin, right? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's instead of love letters, it's creepy tweets into DMS and everything else. No, um, we've, we've, uh, I've, I've been staging a little protest as well. I have to admit, um, I've got my placard outside the, uh, plaza that says nooks a crook. Um, <laughs> and I, I like to gather people around it. Um, even though he relies on me, I, I laugh every time childishly when he calls me the, the re- like his best friend and the resident, uh, relations officer or whatever they call it. Um, and I'm sort of st- sat there like literally next to a sign that's calling him a crook, but <laughs> I just find that amusing. Um, and weirdly I've got a statue of Liberty. Don't know why. It's just one of those things that's like on, on a rocky outcrop. You can all go and look at the statue of Liberty, but no, it, it's, it's been an absolute godsend to be honest with you. And I thought, I think I said in the last podcast, I wouldn't get used to the slowness of it in terms of the speed that the time elapses. And I'm used to sort of more, uh, like Sims or GTA kind of time passing like a, a, an, an hour, a minute or something. But to get used to something that's actually happening properly in real time, um, I find that quite weird. But I have got used to it, and I've quite liked the fact I can get up in the morning, check in, do some stuff, put it down, come back at lunchtime, come back in the evening, etc. Um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like it's it's the perfect game for now, partly because of the whole you know holiday idyllic island that we can all go and visit, but also because you can just drop in and out when you want to you know you you're working from home you're doing some chores you're doing some cooking i'll just pick up the game do a bit of fishing potter around um you know and you can fit it very easily around isolation life um which is a good reason why a lot of people are playing it now i'm I'm literally playing it in the background right now i'm i'm absent-mindedly fishing while we're recording how dare you no seriously (laughs) Uh, so I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on, on getting the game at all. I played, well, I was going to say the original, technically not the original, but the first game on the GameCube, uh, like, what, 20 years ago now or something? Mm. Um, and I enjoyed it for a few months, and then I got bored with it, and I never went back. I never played any of the other ones. And I thought, oh, do I really want this when it was announced? You know, give me Metroid, give me Zelda. That's what I'm after. And then there was so much hype around it. And I thought, mm, maybe I could get it. The reviews came out, were super positive. Two days beforehand, I was on a whim, yep, I'm pre-ordering it, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm going in. And I'm so glad I did. It's It's been such a godsend at the time, uh, at this time. Um, I think as a, I as, a marketing, as a marketing stunt alone, I, I think that I'd hate to say this is a good thing, but I mean, certain companies, Nintendo included, must be absolutely rubbing their hands um, as a result of everybody literally being stuck indoors. Um, com- companies like the one that we're using for this podcast must be absolutely rolling in it because 
a horrible thing that this thing is, but equally with everybody now being stuck indoors, perfect for a game that can be used for relaxation and stuff. It's like, it's like the most perfectly timed um, Animal Crossing and then Disney Plus uh, launching within like a week of each other. Um, it's like isolation heaven solved, really. Uh, are we going to have a rant about uh, Disney Plus? Because I have rants. I'm curious as to why they decided that rolling programs out on a week by week basis like the Mandalorian when where... they've already been pirated to high heaven thanks to the yes. American drop of the yeah. episodes yeah is there yeah. anyone who hasn't watched that yet uh I actually hadn't I was oh. going to wait for for it to come out and so the thing is the rise of Skywalker kind of burned me out on Star Wars anyway so I yeah. wasn't in a massive rush to watch um the Mandalorian to begin with uh but then having it drip fed a week at a time two three months after it's finished being drip fed a week at a time in the u.s feels like a big misstep the other thing that's really annoying me is the simpsons being uh cropped from 4.3 to 16.9 so you lose half the jokes on the good seasons um but weirdly other 80s and 90s content that they've got on there that was originally shot in 4.3 remains in 4.3 so they've not even been consistent i wonder if that cropping is down to fox before disney acquired them rather than a disney choice but um yeah like half the stuff that i wanted to watch on disney plus isn't really watchable on disney plus no the, the simpsons thing is is um it's a stupid decision uh, you're right I, I don't know whether they just picked up broadcast of it and so that's just how it aired from fox or whether that was an actual decision they took but it, it well, no, what, what it, really short-sighted so fox would have originally aired it in 4.3 but what i wonder is if fox had plans for their own streaming service before disney acquired them so perhaps they'd cropped it for that and those were the masters that were provided provided to disney or whether they just sabotaged it <laughs> not even so i mean you you see this in in anime a lot um dragon ball z for instance uh the american uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases for for years uh, cropped them to uh, widescreen because like a mainstream audience doesn't really necessarily understand things like aspect ratios and original source material and stuff like that. So uh, it, it's basically just media companies thinking people are too dumb to understand this 30-year-old property was originally made for a square screen. You're going to have to put up with some black borders at the side. Well, that, that was the whole... Um original dvd thing wasn't it the whole pan and scan or whatever they call it because it's like the whole idea as you say is to try and make it fit into the 16.9 uh ratio um but in doing so you leave you lose a lot of those fun jokes on the outsides or the extremities of the screen which yeah. for the simpsons considering the best seasons were their early seasons um it seems like a, a bit of a willful act of self-sabotage but but yes, no, I, I have to admit, Disney Plus, is, it, it certainly has occupied me well. Um, but I was surprised where they're sort of making decisions to sort of pace out those releases of seasons that have already been finished on the US one. It's like you're just dragging out the inevitable. Yeah. Um, most people sort of, as you say, have already seen it and just wanted to watch it again without all the piracy warnings and stuff. Um and I think, yeah, it, it seems a little bit short-sighted. It's going to be interesting, obviously, when they start rolling out the seasons of the new stuff. That's fine. Do that on a weekly basis. But until then, it's like just give everyone the content that they need immediately. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I think I think that's their mindset. They they see it as new stuff. They're doing the same with the uh, Clone Wars season seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's dropping an episode a week. Um, but again, that that will be fine if they're doing global rollouts of new stuff moving forward. But this is two three months after the American launch, so surely uh, those episodes are all done. They know there's been high levels of piracy. There's no uh, benefit for viewer or streamer in delaying the episodes week by week just just drop us a season yeah i mean they thought they they should have really just gone we're just going to get this out there Mm. like we should just dump as much as we can onto it and just get it done um yeah that's okay so that's little sidetracked rant on on disney plus i was gonna say i haven't completed netflix yet so i haven't even started (laughs) yeah Yeah, they keep adding dlc though you'll never get to the end of it oh great I always wonder what you happen. What actually happens when you do get to the end of Netflix? Does it like a title card come up and say, "Are you proud of yourself?" <laughs> um, Maybe like I mean, it's, the world it, get a golden poo. Yeah, it's already quite judgy when it sort of like keeps asking, "Are you still watching this program?" It's like, yes, yes, I am. Keep playing. Of, of all times in world history, they need to remove that uh, that prompt now. Yes, of course, I'm still watching. I can't leave the house. They should change it to well done. You're still watching this program. <laughs> this is a solid commitment to saving the world. Um, back to Animal Crossing. No, so I, I've always been sort of, yeah, the, the, the funny sort of things are starting to dribble out now. Obviously, we've just changed into spring. So, um, and the announcement from the most recent Nintendo Direct came out around Bunny Day. Which, um, which starts today. It does. I've, I've, I've already, on the day of recording, which is the 1st of April, which <laughs> um, I've seen some April Fool's jokes uh, come out and they're not going well on Twitter oh, no. um, under under the current uh, under the current climate. But no, definitely, I've seen, um, I was on my Switch this morning um, and I've now, my trees now have blossom. The cherry blossom put out. Some of them are growing eggs, which is slightly concerning. Um, and I've got a hyperactive ADHD bunny uh, in my plaza not a euphemism um and so yeah he's sort of like running around the plaza um shouting about getting eggs and building stuff and whatever so is it just me or is that bunny terrifying like he's, he looks like yes. he's in like five nights from freddy's he's a psycho five nights at freddy's five nights at freddy's at freddy's yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's the one that should come running out from behind a tree stabbing people <laughs> oh wow i mean if this is easter what the hell are they going to do when they get to halloween I mean, I'm just waiting for the inevitable nightmare before Christmas take on Santa. Yes. 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 Um, has anyone else got anything to add on the Animal Crossing? Uh, I think... I, I feel like this is a shared experience. Yeah, I think the one thing that I'm really enjoying about it is, you know, as well as the game itself, is is going online and seeing what everyone's doing with the game. You know, every time you go on Twitter, there's new videos and memes of, of crazy things people are doing. And I think... You know, when I played the original, there was no online. So now you can actually go and visit other people's places and see what they're doing, which is crazy. Um, you know, Ryan, who's on the show later on, I went to his island yesterday and there was a little group of us and he took us on a tour with his little toad umbrella. And we we went around to see all the sites of the of the island, including a little Luigi shrine with RIP next to it and a, and a, and a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Um, I don't know what happened to Luigi, but we all left some flowers. We all said a few words. Um, it was it was a lovely moment. Um, I was also watching um, Justin Moore on Twitch, who is uh, a member of the Rainbow Arcade, who we, we had an interview with recently. 
And he had created a runway and invited people on and people had created these amazing outfits and they had a full drag pageant runway show. People like dropping money along the runway, people doing reveals into different costumes. Like it was absolutely crazy, but it's just, it's so creative what people are doing. And I think as good as the game is itself, it's the community around it that is making it so special. Yeah. Um, sirens in the background of a podcast are always concerning. Oh. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> just, right now, it's just like this harrowing experience of hearing sirens all the time. Um, the, 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 as always with this whole crisis, I think I mentioned it last time, digital creativity across the board um, has been absolutely brilliant. Um, from, as you say, creations on Animal Crossing to... Uh, drag shows on Twitch to uh, streamers doing extra fun stuff to Facebook Live people cooking or exercising in your living room. It's, it has been amazing. And I think that Nintendo have done a really, really good job of sort of grasping the sort of 21st century way of playing Animal Crossing, as you say, about getting out there, making creative stuff, sharing it. Um, even my stupid thing about sort of creating a protest against Tom Nook and his racketeering ways. Um has sort of like amused a few people on Twitter. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is really sort of, it has certainly been a really good thing under the current, the current climate. I mean, it's, um, it's, been, it's been across the board as well. Like esports uh, is going through the roof. Um, stream hit its highest ever peak of users, uh, 22 million concurrent users, uh, 7 million of those actively playing at the time um counter-strike has seen its highest ever number of players um twitch has seen the number of hours watched increase by 22 percent over the last two weeks it's just insane because people can't do anything else yeah i mean it's it's that as you say across the board it's been a really i'd hate to say the sort of say strong time but certainly a positive experience for the gaming world um to be able to sort of have time to explore some of these things i mean another sort of crazy one for me is ring fit um I, one the hallowed sort of golden uh protective sort of thing is ring fit that nobody can get hold of now um we yeah, that um, sold out in like a day yesterday or something like it was, oh, yeah, it they, was available and it's gone straight away yeah absolutely we we had one um when it got first released and i, I feel like i'm some sort of uh sort of mastermind leader of a cult um but no it, it all it's done is proven to me, however, how incredibly unfit I am. Um, <laughs> because even just, we picked it up purely uh, the other day because of the new update with adding rhythm and so the rhythm fun. games and stuff. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but even that, after a couple of rounds of sort of a couple, a couple of songs of that, I'm sort of like going, oof. <laughs> You've got a sweat on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Honestly, the, the so I adore rhythm action games um and uh, that has made me more excited to pick it up if it's ever available in stock anywhere ever again um yeah, I'm, I'm really really excited for that i was also really excited when a new arcade opened here in birmingham um nq64 and it's got a, a solid ddr machine working which takes me back yeah, definitely. I don't tell the boyfriend that. I'll be down there like a shot after <laughs> after quarantine and everything else. Um, yeah, between Ring Fit and Animal Crossing, that's exercise and holidays covered virtually. Exactly. Yeah. What, what yeah. more do you need? And then Disney Plus and Netflix in the background. It's 
it's it's I, I see a lot of people on social media going oh my god how are we going to cope and i think I, I think i said this last time but the gamers are all sat there going ha we've got this covered this is <laughs> an introvert stream we've been preparing our entire lives for this experience um <laughs> and here we are now um so that's what I've been playing, uh, literally Animal Crossing and Ring Fit. Um, Ed, what have you been dabbling in? Um, what haven't I been dabbling in? Um, Games-wise, obviously. Well, of course. Um, <laughs> no, I think, you know, as you said, Animal Crossing and Ring Fit are, are big ones for me pretty much every day. But, you know, with the isolation, now is the time to finally get through the backlog. So I've been ticking off um, a few games. There are three I wanted to wanted to touch on. The first is Astral Chain, um, which obviously came out so last good. August, um, which I got for Christmas and finished last week. I'm slightly disappointed by it, and oh. I I kind of I want to like it more than I do, and I'm disappointed and saddened by that. I absolutely love the style of it and the world. Um, you know, you play as a hot, sexy anime cop with other hot, sexy anime cops um, saving the world from these, you know, weird robot creature alien things from another planet, another astral plane. It's crazy um, in, in the best possible platinum way. Um, I think the battle system eventually finds a rhythm. I found it a bit clunky for a while. Um, you're essentially controlling two characters, your your sexy cop and your and your legion who is on on the chain. And you've only got one attack button for each, so it feels a little bit button mashing for me. Um, and to move your legion is the right stick, which is also the camera. So you can't do both at the same time. So if you're in sort of close confines, it's really hard to control the camera and see everything and control your characters. So for me, it feels a little bit messy and a bit clunky at times, but it does eventually find a rhythm that becomes really fun. Um, there's also a few too many little side quests about, oh, my son's gone missing. Here's a picture of where I saw him. Oh, my cat's run off. Oh, can you pick up some litter? And I know I'm like, <laughs> I'm a sexy cop, but come on, like... I'm not here. I'm here to save the world, not pick up litter. Um, and I think there was just a little bit too much of that for me um, that made it feel a bit bloated. I know that Platinum are trying to make more of the world, and I appreciate that. Um, but there were a few little niggles that just marred it for me, disappointingly. Fair. The the camera uh, duplication on the right stick is a is a fair cop, but uh, I remember that annoyed me when I was reviewing it but other than that i thought the the style the the just the fluidity of the combat the the absolute bonkersness if that's a word or if it can be a word of the the setting and the scenario just everything about it i thought was fantastic definitely i mean it's it's flashy as hell it's as stylish as any other platinum game and i would 100 percent recommend playing it it just for me didn't quite match some of their other games, which saddened me more than anything. Um, a second game I completed last week in an evening is What Remains of Edith Finch, which has been on my backlog for a long time. Um, and is like an hour and a half whip through. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because if you haven't played it, then you need to kind of go in blind. But essentially, it's kind of lots of little stories put together and each of those stories plays out in its own in its own way um, almost like a little mini game um, that just for me really shows the unique power of video game storytelling 
um and it's a genuinely affecting story um so if you haven't yet played that it's it's an hour and a half in an evening whip through it you will not regret it it's interesting how many people are trying to they've obviously we've always had these backlogs and these queues of games and it's suddenly given us a good a, a good approach to sort of try and start getting through some of that i know matt on the last podcast you talked about having a jrpg queue um and i said the ps1 man back to the yeah. ps1 <laughs> well you so, say that i have just my third game i've just started final fantasy 6 which i've never played before back to the um, snares technically well yeah i mean it's it's the ps1 version on ps3 but fine uh it, yeah technically snares and i've it's one of those i've never played before my entry point was seven so i plan on replaying that before the remake in like a week good um Clearly, I've got the time. Um, but Final Fantasy VI is—I've gone straight in there, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's weird, but really exciting to see where the rest of the series sort of came from. Um, I don't have the nostalgia hit, but it's more from a from an interesting. Oh, this is this is a really interesting experience. Um, it's hardcore and quite irritating in that way, um, but it's it's nice to go back to a classic. Yes, very much. Cool, um, Matt. What have you been playing? Um, that you can talk about because you know, uh, that, that I can talk about because something I can't. Uh, I'll leave you to put two and two together there. Um, so Animal Crossing, uh, as I say, literally playing right now. Um, uh, Borderlands Three DLC, Guns Love and Tentacles, um, for which there's a feature coming up on the site later today as we record, I believe. Yes, it'll, it'll be out by the time this podcast is available. Um, so much so, we're going to talk about it next. Excellent. Um, how how and, is that going later on? Uh, like, where's the DLC? How, oh, yes. know, where's it developed to? Yes, because Ed, because, uh, oh, yeah. So you did the preview, didn't you? He did, I did. the preview. So I, got, I got the yeah. first, what, 45 minutes? And Matt discovered that it takes a lot longer than 45 oh, well, minutes to actually get uh, through I, I was expecting to be able to blast through the campaign in five, six hours tops, and it stretched out over three and a bit days of playtime. Not, wow. uh, not, not like consecutive days added up but um yeah i'd say probably 15 16 hours i did get stuck on one boss uh which felt really poorly balanced because the um it it uses grunts as a shield um and for the longest time i wasn't able to to target the actual boss and taking out the grunts first just left me with no ammo um it felt like it was really designed for at least two people so one can be sort of drawing fire from the grunts and the other can be targeting the main boss um it also had some really aggravating um platform segments where you were on some floating rocks and you had to destroy some uh gems that were creating a shield for the core boss at which point the pillar that he was standing on would fall back and become a bridge to the uh, the central area where the combat was taking place. But if you, and this is, felt totally arbitrary, if you weren't on a floating rock at the right point to jump down onto that bridge, then you just fell into the void and there was no way of hopping back around that I could see or certainly discovered. It took me something ridiculous like 11 tries to get past that boss single player. That's annoying. That's, yeah. How, how was the obviously without without spoilers how's the kind of gay representation in the story surprisingly really good it's one of the few things that i would say possibly the only thing that borderlands has ever in its existence taken seriously 
which isn't to say it's done in a really like po-faced or somber manner it's still borderlands it's still got the jokes um but it it doesn't make their love their wedding their partnership one of those jokes that's good to hear because obviously borderlands has made a long sort of history as i keep banging on about of sort of good authentic representation across a variety of different uh facets and i think it's always as you say with tongue sort of firmly planted in cheek with some good sort of cheeky jokes and stuff but i was a bit concerned that how they were going to necessarily handle it and i'm glad that they haven't gone too somber do you know what i mean that was my biggest fear really in some ways i kind of i did based on past uh achievements sort of trust them that they would do a good job of not bottling it um when you kept texting me going, still haven't got there yet, still haven't got there yet, I'm like, oh, God, don't fire Emblem. Please don't fire Emblem. <laughs> um, and then it, it did get to a point where, obviously, the wedding occurs. Um, but, yeah, I was really happy to sort of read that it didn't go, like, horrendously sort of like, now everyone must stop laughing. This is a very serious matter. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really good to hear. Good news. And it, it's, it's really fun. You get some really cool new weapons out of the campaign and... It's just it's if you like Borderlands, it's a very good expansion for Borderlands. You don't have to kind of go in and be like, this is a very very serious representation matter. It's like it it's just shoot some demons, have some fun. Cool, good and, time. Um, you said in your review as well that there was a very sort of it had a very Lovecraftian kind of feel to it. Absolutely, it's um, it it, it taps quite deeply into lovecraftian lore in a in a visual way if that makes sense um so if, if you read your lovecraft there's lots of you know cold isolated uh towns and fishing villages and there's lots of eerie libraries and stuff and all of that gets gets crammed into the the, the dlc campaign in one fashion or another um nice yeah so it's very nice for lots of Lots of nods, if you are familiar with your Lovecraftian fiction. Cool. That sounds good. Um, we'll be back to talk about what's in the news right after this break. Izzy, if one of your goals for 2020 was to get a new job in the video games industry, where would you start? I've no idea, but I'm sure you know. Well, I would head to Skill Search. It's their mission to match top talent in the games industry with studios searching for their hard-to-find skills. What makes them so special? Well, their skilled team of niche experts immerse themselves in the world of those they work with, mirroring the studio setup. Oh, and they've just celebrated their 30th birthday. Ah, are they UK-based? No, not at all. Um, they have a global reach working with clients and candidates across Europe, Asia and North America. And, you know, because of their global network in an industry where people willingly relocate for the perfect opportunity, they're skilled not only in helping people find their dream job, but they're also relocation specialists too. They even include city guides in all of their job listings. Okay, that's awesome, but... How do they know for sure that my skills match their vacancies? Well, SkillSearch understands the people they work with and have excellent insight into the game's job market, thanks to regularly attending industry events and their Salary and Satisfaction Survey. In fact, the Salary and Satisfaction Survey is now in its sixth year, and they've just released this year's report, which you can check out on Gaming Magazine. Okay, I'm sold. Maybe I will start job hunting in Skillsearch. Well, go check out skillsearch.com to start looking. There are hundreds of jobs online right now. 
Okay, I'm off. Wait, we have the rest of this podcast to get through first. Too late. I'm going job hunting. Welcome back. I'm here with Matt and Ed. And this segment is called Best of Gaming, where we talk about our pick of the hottest articles on gaming magazine right now. Uh, Ed, I'm going to come to you. What's been catching your eye on gaming? Um, so I was very lucky to do an interview uh, on the site with uh, Justin and John John from Rainbow Arcade, which is a uh, an LGBTQIA plus Twitch team, um, fifty two members um, led by the two of them. Um, and we had, I mean, we had like an hour long conversation, most of which I couldn't put in the interview because there just wasn't enough space. Um, but we had some some really interesting chats about the group. Um, one of the things they're really hot on is is diversity. Um, their aim for the group is to try and be an all-encompassing LGBT uh, team. There are other teams, you know, the, the stream queens who are purely drag or, or other teams who are purely for, for trans gamers. Um, and they're trying to be a complete all-encompassing LGBT group. Um, but within that, making sure they've got enough diversity in terms of ethnicity and, and gender and everything else um so it's a really really exciting group um they're they're growing they're doing some great work um one of the interesting things we did talk about was um using the lgbt tag on twitch um basically a lot of a lot of streamers have been using that tag even if they're not lgbt um to prove that they are allies to prove that this is a safe space for lgbt people and sort of the opinion of John, John and Justin was that actually this is predominantly for, uh, for LGBT streamers, not for allies. Um, you know, as much as it's nice to have allies who are creating this safe space, actually the tag is for the streamer in particular. And it's for people who, you know, if they want to go and watch a streamer, they want to find someone who they can relate to, who's had that kind of experience. And so they want to search specifically for, LGBT streamers that they know that they can that they can recognize um, and that's kind of skewed a little bit with allies um, and when you know LGBTP LGBT people don't always have um, you know much of a say or much much space it's kind of disappointing for that to be taken away by by other people um, so that was a really interesting part of the conversation that we had that I know has been a big conversation on Twitch um, amongst lots of streamers. I found that quite really interesting when I read it. And I'm obviously a great advocate for allyship. Um, and I think allies, we wouldn't be as a community where we are without the support of our allies. Um, that being said, I think this, it comes, it's a huge debate and it comes back to safe spaces. It comes back to the whole sort of gay bar debate as well. Um, is an ally equally sort of welcome in our spaces? Yes, of course, but maybe sometimes we need to have certain parts of this protected. Um, and I think certainly the idea of people using the LGBT tag on, on Twitch um, when they themselves are not LGBTQ, um, I think that's possibly an overreach. So I, I, I do see that, but I think as well, it. I struggle to sometimes maybe sort of force everybody to sort of like go, no, you're, you, you're straight, you're not allowed here sort of thing. So I, I can see both sides of that, but it, it, it creates an interesting debate. But I think in this instance, using the tag purely as a definition of oneself, I don't feel like um, even our staunchest allies maybe shouldn't be using that tag. Um, but I accept it's a, a wide open debate. 
Yeah. Also, you know, is it is it enough to just put a tag on your stream and be done with it? You know, what what else are you doing? Are you are you actively getting rid of trolls? Are you actively helping the community outside of Twitch and other areas? Um, you know, it's it's not quite enough to just put a tag on uh, and say, hey, I'm an ally. I've got the tag. Um, you know, that there's more you can do to actually support LGBTQ mm. people. Yeah, there's a difference between uh, allyship and exploitation. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's it's the same sort of thing that we'll no doubt see again this June when all the businesses turn their sort of logos on Twitter and Facebook and whatever through to a rainbow. And then on the 1st of July, they'll all rip them down and carry on with their lives like it didn't happen. So I think, yeah, I'd rather see our allies on Twitch do fun streams that actually support the community or a charity stream that supports the community or something that actually sort of proves themselves rather than just go, I can tick a box, therefore I'm an ally. Mm. So, yeah, no, good interview. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Matthew? Oh, another one of uh, Ed's pieces, actually, the um, how IRL gaming groups are coping in the COVID-19 crisis piece, which was super interesting. Yeah, that's um, it, it was a piece that sort of, I think that came out of when Ed stepped in gallantly um, as our news cover for a week. Uh, I did my best. <laughs> it did. It was, a very, it was a very good week. Um, and Amy's back and we, we sort of send her love. Um, she's a little bit under the weather and a bit ill at the moment, uh, but she's she's muscling on through. But no, that, 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 yeah, bless her. That that piece is is interesting because as groups that are built around physical um, activity, um, it's interesting again how people are adapting to the sort of more digital isolation based uh, age in which we find ourselves. And it is interesting how different groups are coping in different ways. And there are some groups and we're not going to name who, because that's just a bit unfair because I think they all do <laughs> fantastic work, but there are some groups that are very much um, left themselves to sort of almost just be quiet and just not be able to cope with what's happening and are doing the sort of minimum of what they can online, um, which is a shame. And I think that's, the more in the, the sort of more intelligent groups are finding ways of means around that and, and being more flexible using sort of digital solutions. I don't know what you found out really. Yeah, but it's it's one of the things that they're talking about um, that the people I'd spoke to were talking about with um, Kat Wellsford from the uh, women and the women and non-binary admin of the London Gamers Group uh, talking about how they're having to cancel their regular gatherings. Um, which is which is very sad at the moment, but they're able to kind of bounce back by having their online community keep in touch with Discord and other online platforms. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously sad that that these IRL meetups can't happen when that's such a core part of these groups. But it also shows the ingenuity of these people to say, "Great, well, let's get let's get stuff online. Let's organise some tournaments. Let's make sure people are connected on Discord. Um, let's do everything we can." to maintain this community, um, you know, in the same way that we're having a podcast online. Um, you know, in this digital age, there's there's so much more you can do that doesn't necessarily rely on, on being in person. So, you know, as much as it's a bad situation at the moment, you know, there are ways around it and people are rising to that challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a testament to everybody as to how they're coping with this. Um, and, and keeping everything moving in these in, in these times. Um, so yeah, good piece. Um, just to complete the trifecta of um, praising the, the three people sat on this podcast, 
um, <laughs> other writers are available on Gamer. Um, <laughs> awkwardly, I'm going to talk about a piece that Ed wrote. Um, oh, that's nice of you, Robin. <laughs> Which, which is uh, the sequel, if you like, to um, his Pokemon uh, RuPaul Drag Race Queen mashup. Um, the first one that Ed did was about the queens that were at DragCon UK uh, back in January. It feels like back five years ago. It was, yeah, but, so long ago. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, the photo up now is um, RuPaul's Drag Race season 12 queens. Uh, as Pokemon. Now, the readers of the last column would know that uh, Ed is quite shady on the down low. Um, <laughs> and he's he's managed to do it again, if we're being brutally honest. I mean, matching up Dahlia Sin, who literally went home dressed as a broccoli, uh, as Pansage. Um, I, I find that hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah... <laughs> Uh, I don't think we, I don't think we should spoil uh, Ed's pick for a certain eliminated queen because that was inspired. I mean, yeah. Well, are we talking eliminated, <laughs> eliminated queens, or are we talking about disqualified queen? <laughs> well, although the disqualified queen, yeah, there, there definitely is a glitch in the system. Um, please do go and have a look at that, uh, Ed. I am curious. Um, I imagine, obviously, with the sort of millions of variations of Pokemon that are available, um, are there any on this list who you'd you were sort of tossing up between? Are there any ones that could have a good sort of first alternative? Well, I wanted to touch on this article as well because you know, since the last one came out, it was spoken about on the podcast. People are all like, oh my God, Ed, he's so shady. He keeps doing these articles. And I have not had a chance to come back and actually defend myself. And, you know, I feel like of course. people people at home must have this image of me as this, you know, shady queen sat at home, cackling away, typing on a keyboard, and you're right. all absolutely correct. Um <laughs> <laughs> and you know i thought i will jump at the chance to do another one um it's it's quite tricky some of these queens do not really lend themselves uh to a pokemon um i found in this instance heidi and closet quite difficult sadly there is not to say because she has a terrible drag name well this was it i was like there isn't a closet pokemon and i was like which pokemon has the worst name that i can just go with that but there are just too many to choose from. Yeah. Um, so that was a that was a difficult one. Um, originally for Rockem Sakura, I had coughing because you know she loves a fart joke. So <laughs> that that seemed like that seemed like a good choice. And then when I was actually making the image, I suddenly realised, hang on, she looks just like Pikachu in this picture. So I had to go with that. Um, and I think she's definitely the fan favourite of the season so far. So that's not been your. I think that with this one's possibly been your challenge, hasn't it? Was the fact that the last one that you did were based on established queens, either from America, the American series, past series, or from the UK uh, series, which we'd had all 10 episodes of. Yeah. And I think me, me asking you to do this after two episodes um, possibly led more to picking... Uh, Pokemon on looks or on very sort of uh, specific references like Dahlia Sin's Broccoli. 
um, rather than necessarily understanding them as a whole and getting a good feel for the personality. Exactly. And, um, you know, if, if you're going to choose, like, a, a match, it can't just be like, oh, this queen likes green and this Pokemon's green. Like, that's that's boring. Um, you know, it, but you, you need to get to know them a little bit to be able to do that. So it was it was stretching my my knowledge a little bit, this, this new one. But hopefully people like the choices. Well, I'm glad I exercised you. Yeah. I mean, Britta as Exploud, um, I think, is is perfect. Um, we obviously used uh, Loudred as Vanji, or Vanji as Loudred, or whichever way you want to say that in the last one. So as a sort of... I never thought we'd have to deploy that again until we found Britta. She's <laughs> <laughs> just one of the loudest people, and not even in a fun kind of way. She's just loud yeah. in a headache-inducing kind of way. Um so yeah, able to incite earthquakes with its powerful voice, that is an understatement. I quite liked uh, Jan as Score Bunny, because like Score Bunny does just look like a kid that's been dropped off for like football practice. Exactly. <laughs> Let's just say you can definitely tell which are my favorite queens. I was gonna yeah. say there's certain the ed edit of this is hilarious. There's someone here that have actually been done with a lot of love. And there are others that are just being dumped some crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're all welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, go and go and check that out, and go and uh, go and see what you think, and and see what other uh, people that you want to match up, or maybe we'll think of another thing to set Ed on. Um, Let us know in the comments. I think we can all agree though that that Rock and Sakura <laughs> was sent home far too early. Oh for sure. Oh god, yeah, for sure. Far too early. Um. Just... Drag Race continuing its long-standing tradition of sending home the best queens earliest. Well, then followed by Nikki Doll. I know, right? Nick, Nikki wasn't that strong in the in in the acting challenge, but she uh, other queens have been saved um, because of language barriers in the past. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know that there's been thinking back to maybe some of the earlier seasons with the Puerto Rico queens. Um, there's been a few that have been saved, and and their sort of lack of English understanding has been quirky or funny or has been found innocently uh, amusing. Whereas Nikki Doll, the first time that she can't get a word out in an acting challenge, she's dead. Um, That's the thing. It was used as an I, excuse with her. And I meanwhile, like... Aidan Zane, who I suspect is a producer's son or something, um, is is being kept alive even then she couldn't act her way out of a box. Kept that alive? Was... <laughs> in, in competition terms. Nobody's coughed on her. In com you don't in com know that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in, co in competition terms, she's been kept alive. Um, but no, she's... Oh, no. I, bleh, this, if the season started at a kind of like an eight, because it had been already been a little bit queered by, um, by Sherry Pie, um, it, it's falling off a cliff fast. I mean, the, I was given so much hope by the first episode when they divided the queens up and the first cat, the first block of them, all were stunning. Every single one of them. And I'm glad that nobody got sent home. But then I thought, Jesus, if the second set is equally as stunning, um, this is going to be one hell of a season. But it's like they put all the good ones up front and then put all the crap ones in the second episode. Um, and then sort of like, because the second episode, I was like, oh, just send two home. Um, but then no, it's just, yeah, it... 
it's it's been an interesting season. And what, I'm curious what's to see what's going to happen with the live final, which what, won't be a live final. It might well, be what, what's between... particularly interesting is seeing how they're desperately trying to edit it on the fly to remove as much of Sherry Pie as possible. Yes. But then then she's you know out of four she's winning everything. <laughs> yeah, out of four episodes, she's won two main challenges. So it's like. I, I'm wondering if the if the edit, if the the narrative that they were putting together was to guide her to the to the finale, and now they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It feels like there's, there's the a void end. in the middle of the show, like there is something missing, yeah. and I think ultimately it's her. As hard as that is to say, because of what's happened, I mean, she should be a she should be in the position that Bob the drag queen was in on her season the center of everything where everything else revolved around what Bob was doing because Bob was winning challenges left, right and center. Mm -hmm. Same as Bianca in season six and Alaska and all stars and Alaska and all stars just apps and Ben in the first half of her all stars. Um, and just absolutely smashing through and, and literally the producers would be like, great, we can cut to, we can cut to Sherry at this point because she's, obviously on this upward trajectory and now it's like jesus we've got <laughs> let, let, let's get like nikki doll back in to talk french a bit more or let's get someone <laughs> or let's get jada in to just have an opinion for no reason um and it's just like there's you say there's there's it's very obvious where they've had to cut people out and it's it's left a hole because you don't see them coming and then then she <laughs> unfortunately keeps winning um even though now it's, it's it's actually ironically a good thing that she's winning because the Trevor Project is getting a load of cash at the moment. Yes, because um, every every five thousand uh, dollars she wins in uh, each challenge is being donated uh, to charity, and I believe it's the Trevor Project every time. It is. I mean, it certainly was for the most recent episode. Yeah. Question though, is this extra money, or have they taken her winnings from her? Because I don't know when she got paid that winning money. Oh. The, uh, uh the the winnings are all paid out at like the end of the the season so she wouldn't have gotten anything i don't think um i, if, I believe if rumors are abound, there are still queens waiting from season four to get some of their prizes um the 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 act of giving um of of their sort of um free burgers from hamburger mary's or free makeup from so-and-so um there have been rumors abound that those prizes never actually materialized <laughs> Um, so no, I, I, my understanding is that this is gets recorded and then, uh, the show is then kind of treated as live, um, in terms of prize giving and stuff. So she would be being cut off from, um, civilization, but no, she, she'd been cut off from, um, a lot of this, uh, prizing, um, and money would just go straight to the Trevor project. Yeah. So, yeah. So there, uh, good, good talk. Um, Please go and check out Gaming Mag uh, for all the stories we just talked about and so much more. Uh, boys, thank you so much. This is the end of the podcast for you two. Um, coming up. No, after don't, don't leave me. I need human contact. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go, go back to your isolation and obscurity. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I've got an interesting game to play. <laughs> yes, exactly, which we can't always yeah, talk about. We've all got a backlog to finish. I believe the game starts with ends with a number and starts with two letters that are that's, the same. That's my guess as well. Yeah, yeah I am playing the jealous. unannounced video game adaptation of Wonder Woman eighty four. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the one. Uh, coming up after the break, I'm joined by Ryan Brown. But as I said, for now, it's a big goodbye to Matt and Ed. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for having us. Bye. Have a good day, and we'll see you after the break. Bye.
Welcome back. Uh, I'm joined by our special guest this week. It's Ryan Brown from Numskull Games and Designs. Welcome. Hello. Nice How to are you? Here. I'm Thank good. you for joining I'm us. I'm working from home and I'm not playing Animal Crossing, even though I really want to. <laughs> I'm somehow managing to stay away. But I've had to come upstairs to record this, which is where the switch is. So we're in dangerous territory. Oh, okay. Right well... Uh, listeners earlier in the podcast would remember that uh, Matt was um, admitting to the fact that he had Animal Crossing open while podcasting. <laughs> I can so that. I can see. Hmm. So he was um, he, he was definitely sort of uh, trying to multitask. And I hear from Ed uh, that you had a bit of a a bit of a sort of house party in in Animal Crossing on your island yesterday around the shrine of Luigi. Oh yeah. So I've set up a, uh, a memorial. God rest his soul, to mm. uh, Luigi, who has unfortunately died at sea. Um, <laughs> we've got a little painting set up of Luigi. There's everyone, will, every, everyone that comes and visits my town, the, the tradition is you must come pay your respects to Luigi. Of course. Our sweet prince. And everyone will come and lay some roses and say a few words, play an ocarina, <laughs> take a group picture. It's just, it's, it's, it's good and it's humbling to see... Um, people paying their respects to Luigi. And yeah, I gave a little tour around my island. Um, I think it's the PR manager in me. I want to, <laughs> I, I want everyone to be happy and impressed. Yes. I want to gather them all round and take them on a tour and do my little spiel. I think that's what it is. Put the drinks out, make sure everyone's fed and watered. Exactly. Um, we were talking about this earlier in the show, but obviously what amazing, well, that's not really amazing timing, but what fortuitous timing is it that uh, Animal Crossing and Disney Plus dropped um, within a couple of days of the UK announcing a lockdown. Yeah, it's worked out well for them, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, I, th- I think it's worked out for the country in general because I think literally everybody now is playing Animal Crossing, even though the, even people that didn't even know what it was 10 days ago are now playing Animal Crossing because that's about all they can do. It's the only, it's the only example. The we have, I guess. Well, that's it. It's about the only, the only example of them being, being able to sort of get out and walk in nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's kick off. So um, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself uh, to the listeners. Cool. So um, I'm Ryan Brown, perhaps better known as Toads Anime or Toads Amin, however you fancy pronouncing it, uh, on on Twitter. Um, so I'm the PR and communications manager for Numskull Designs and Numskull Games. So I always say that if you don't know what Numskull is, you almost certainly still have some of our products in your house. So our geeky Christmas sweaters, if you have any of those, they're probably ours. Um, The Spyro incense burner, the Crash Team Racing incense burner, the Star Wars candles, uh, you name it, we kind of do merch for a bit of everything. Uh, The Tubbs Cosplaying Ducks, uh, which are the collectible figurines based on uh, sort of all different pop culture characters. The Court Arcades, Court Scale Arcade Cabinets, which are the replicas of uh, original arcade cabs. And then on the Numskull Games side, uh, we're fairly recent, only been around for about a year, but we've published games like Deadly Premonition Origins, Super Epic, and I, The Somnium Files already, with a lot more to come. So uh, you've probably seen something of ours around somewhere, in your local game or GameStop or what have you. You just wouldn't know it, I suppose, if yeah. you're not looking out for it. It's one of those <laughs> things that, when, even when I first interviewed for Numskull, um... It was just like, oh, actually, I have this of yours at home. Oh, and this, and this, and this. Um, it's just a lot of things that people don't realise we do, to be honest. Even the uh, even gameware accessories, like the, the accessories that game make, we make those. Didn't we even oh, make cool. uniforms briefly at one point? Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a um, bit of everything, really. 
Bit of a... uh, you sort of you sort of captured quite a lot there, but I was going to ask what sort of numbskull has been up to recently. Oh, so recently, um, our our biggest focuses on the last year have been building our own big brands. So historically, we've kind of released a, a range of products based on a specific video game. Let's say Resident Evil. You know, some keychains, some shirts, some cool collectible things. Um, just mainly just for in retail that you'll see sort of as you're shopping or queuing and you'll pick bits up that sort of stuff um recently we've been trying to make and have made uh, quite successful big brand stuff of our own that we can kind of call our own uh so as i mentioned earlier the, the tubs range the uh, collectible duck figurines that are based on different video game characters and different movie characters and stuff trying to build that brand up as our own brand which we've done quite successfully i'm sure virtually everyone listening has either heard of them seen them or has one um and again for quarter arcades uh, just building our own brand up of a really cool collectible um so yeah lots of different and on the on the game side there's always stuff happening on the game side um we've got clive and wrench coming out soon which is a 3d platformer so if you've played stuff like Spyro the Dragon, Jack and Dexter, Banjo-Kazooie, that sort of thing, it looks really sick. Um, it's by a developer that's been working on it mostly on his own for the past nine years. Um, so to be publishing that digitally and physically is uh, is pretty sick, and he's pretty excited to actually get it out there. Uh, so yeah, we dabble in a bit of everything. We've, we've, cool. Even during this, <laughs> we still have a lot going on. I mean, that is a strength at the moment of the games industry, obviously, isn't it? It's the fact that there are a lot of other industries that are struggling through this current crisis, but the games industry, by the nature of being digital, um, is is still sort of holding its own at the moment. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing. You mentioned, obviously, the uh, tubs, the cosplay and ducks, and now I'm sort of obsessed with them um, because it's just such a sort of crazy idea to sort of blend together ducks with characters from films um how many how many are we up to now what's the sort of range are we talking about oh wow how many are we on so i think for the ones we've announced there are i think about 50 52 somewhere in that region at the moment yeah Um, obviously for ones we haven't announced yet we have an awful lot planned um there are there are a lot more coming and how did you um how did you set out originally to sort of pick the collections that you wanted to do or was it more of a case of those are the sort of IPs that you could get hold of at the time or was there a, a sort of more of, strategy? Yeah, it's a little bit of all of that really to be honest. So of course with our pre-existing merch we already have really good relationships with most companies to be honest like Capcom, Bethesda, Xbox PlayStation. We kind of have worked with everyone before really. Um, so obviously picking licenses that we already have a pre-established connection with helps to especially for the first wave to kind of as a startup we don't need to build up a new relationship we already know yep. these people um then it's about picking uh big ip because we're we're mostly a retail focused uh, uh company big ip that retail will want to stock so usually that comes with tying it in with a specific upcoming product mm. so in our first wave for example we had Borderlands, because Borderlands 3 was about to launch. Um, Spyro and Crash, because they were still really evergreen um, titles for PlayStation mm-hmm. and Xbox at that time. Um, and then very evergreen things like Batman, Ghostbusters, with a new movie coming out. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, to be honest, we've, we've tried doing some IP before, and then the design hasn't worked out, so we've just scrapped it. So we won't go ahead with something just because. If, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and it doesn't happen. Um, and of course, sometimes 
sometimes there are going to be on the licensing side maybe a company doesn't quite get it straight away um i won't specifically name who or no, no, yeah. what but we've had it where in the first wave they weren't fully convinced we're like eh, you know let, come back to us at a late date if this kicks up then maybe we'll mm-hmm. talk. and that has happened they've seen the big co- the, the the huge coverage it received the crazy good reception the sales and then gone oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> you you've proved yourself and the design's wicked so um let's do it and we're seeing that more and more like we we kind of figure that's the case that's the case with any that's the case with any item really um we've proven ourselves at sales we, we've shown the designs are cool so we're getting more and more companies now interested um a lot that you perhaps wouldn't think of um so it is really exciting it is really exciting and the designs are so good i mean i would say that but the, design, <laughs> the designs are actually really good what was the thought process behind it? Because obviously the, for, for people, I mean, we've covered it a lot on gaming. So if you are sort of listening to this and do want to check it out, then go and sort of see the range on gaming, go and visit the NumScore website. But the the characters themselves are so animated. I think mm. without sort of throwing shade at any other competitors, there are other sort of figurines out there that have quite a neutral kind of expression. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this one was a lot more animated. Was that, a, obviously it's a conscious decision, but the sort of process of thinking it through you wanted to make it a lot more sort of engaging or just mm-hmm. visually exciting or yeah totally so we we have always said that the strength isn't in necessarily our brand it's in the brands that we have in our brand if that makes sense mm-hmm. so you really want to play on that and i think for us it's about not having this sort of copy paste formulaic way in which we make them there's not like a, a, a default thing that we're just posing, layering some textures on and off they go to print. We have designers who actually care a great deal about these franchises, but they're not just random people. They're people like you and I. They're people that actually play this stuff and are interested in this stuff. And so they care a great deal about making these designs really, really cool. Um, so some of the ones I always point out are with, with our Fallout um, tubs, You've got Mm. Boy doing the little thumbs-up pose that he's famous for. Likewise, for the Borderlands Psycho, he's doing the sort of finger pose that he does to his head. Um, And then they're all kind of doing that. The Street Fighter ones with the little Hadouken balls happening. And so it's just those really cool touches in the designs that make... I mean, you you know it's that character. Like, you would look at it and you instantly absolutely know it's the character. There's no debate around it. Um, Again, as I said, we have tried designs in the past for franchises we haven't supported yet, and it just didn't work. Like, the designs, mm. you, they don't work, so we haven't done them. And that's always going to be the case. We're not going to do something just because... Just because. We're only going yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. It looks really good, and it will make a cool collectible. I, th- I think it becomes a point, doesn't it, where if, you try, if you're trying to force something to try and make it happen, to try and make it something it's not, or something even better than it's trying to be, or, or whatever, then it's suddenly becomes either you, you run the risk of it becoming stale almost or Absolutely. false or fake or, or whatever um do you have a particular favorite of the tubs or at least a favorite collection yeah so my personal favorite is actually the uh the neo cortex tubs mm-hmm. oh, the crash bandicoot range because he just yeah. has a big forehead <laughs> and i love that it looks wicked um and then also even though i'm not the biggest fan of the series the lord of the rings sauron uh tubs just because it shows off the textures really well mm. like with 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 all of ours it's all a sculpt it's not just painted on so every detail you see is actually part of the sculpt and with Sawn, you can kind of feel like all this texture on him and it's really cool um but yeah my personal favorite is probably the cortex one big head big head duck yes yeah. so, love it that's cool 
At what process? At what stage in the process was the decision made to sort of ship it? Because the box is almost part of the collection, isn't it? Because totally, yeah. Again, for people that aren't, aren't aware, it's not just the duck, but the box itself is resemblant of a bath, and the duck is sitting in in a bath basically with the lid on. Yeah. So, at what process? At what point of the process was that made a decision that that would be a sort of really fun way of shipping? Yeah, I feel like that was early on. I think that was basically in response to we know that people want to collect these. We want each product to to stand on its own accord. So, if you only ever buy one, it will still look really mm-hmm. cool. But if you do want to collect a whole range or the whole of the tubs uh, series in general um we know that people will will keep them in the boxes some of them um and so we thought you know why not make the box part of it like you can you can take it out through the box way the packaging way if you want but the bottom mostly the bottom of the box is a tub like it's a bathtub with little bath legs and then each of the packages uh, on the top also has little dimples so the bath legs mm-hmm. so you can stack them up basically they can stack yeah um yeah, I feel like that happened really early on. I feel like that happened almost as soon as we were talking about packaging. Like, we knew that we wanted them to be presentable in the box. It was also really important to us that we don't have... Obviously, you have to have the stickers round on the box. Yes. I remember seeing about 10, 11 different versions of this because it was important to us that we have to have all the information there on the stickers, all the health and safety information, the mm-hmm. legal information, and obviously the brand and stuff. But... Um, we also want you to be able to see the duck <laughs> through the box yeah. um, so that you can display it. Uh, so I think we found a really good balance. I like how they look in their boxes. My, my, I kept mine in boxes, or at least in the tub. If I've uh, Some of them I've thrown the top bit away. Mm-hmm. They're in the tub. Um, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, whenever I talk about tubs, um, if I go into my little PR spiel, um, I always bring up that bathtub just because it's a really appealing part of it. Right. I think it's a it, it's a clever idea, like you say, because it it it's a display piece in itself. Mm. It's already displayed. I think a lot of other things that come in boxes, if you just leave it in a box, it looks boring. Yeah. Um, but people need to leave it in a box because of the sort of collectability nature of it. But if you've put it, if the box itself is is something that's fun and engaging, then suddenly it, it encourages you to keep it in the box at least. Um, what is it about humans that love to collect? things do you think is it what sort of is it the hunter gatherer sort of thing of collecting yeah. twigs and sticks and <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny it's it's, it's actually strange because this is something that i've thought about so much um because I, i'm not just working at numbskull because it's a job mm. i have literally like six or seven glass cabinets full of merchandise video game <clears throat> merchandise at my home uh so if I wasn't working in school, sort of stuff I would be buying and collecting anyway. I have an awful, an awful lot of stuff. My, God bless my boyfriend when we move in and have our own house together. I, my one rule is, like, I have to have a room of my own. We can live where you want. We can decorate how you want. The house can be whatever you want. I just give me a space for my stuff. Um, uh, that was a tangent. Um, but uh, basically, yeah, I've always thought that it's it's probably come from... Uh, I would probably be the kind of person that if this were 10,000 or a million years ago, I'd be going out picking all the berries and bringing them into a pot. And then when people try and get them all like, no, we must keep the berries. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, we must that's where I assume it comes from. It must, it must do. I think for me, it's, it is a connection into your passion as well. And I think a lot of people, it's people sort of think about, um, I don't know. So we all know many people that sort of um, have a sort of, 
the occasional jibe at geeky people for maybe collecting Lego like I do or mm -hmm. collecting figurines or collecting anything. But then I know plenty of people that are into DIY that have got drill bits coming out the back end. And it's like you are, you are collecting stuff as well. It just doesn't read as, as the same thing because you're looking at it through a different lens. Like the same with collecting football merchandise and stuff. So I was about to ask, what is it you collect? But I feel like I'm opening a, a massive Pandora's box. So paint me a picture of your sort of your key collections. Yeah, so I think, I mean, just following on that, I think basically people's spaces are a reflection on their personality. Mm. So gaming is such a huge thing to me that it's it's like an integral part of, of me. It's an integral part of my person. Sometimes I worry that there's not much else there to be honest like i'm just <laughs> i'm just like i'm just gaming that's it's just a vessel for game my life i think it's why i have a partner who isn't much of a gamer i think it it's like the one part of me that isn't that isn't gaming but it's such a huge part of me and my personality that of course i'm going to surround myself with it um of course i will um my personal collection is um uh, unfortunately back home i live with my partner's family so it's it's far away from me and uh, every every couple of weeks i'll bring back like a suitcase worth of new merch and games and stuff and just store it all it's all organized and lovely um but yeah i have um an awful lot there i have uh i get those uh the other fellow collectors know what i'm all about i'll get the ikea detolf glass cabinets they're just the okay i think i know what you mean yeah um and then i have like a shelf for kirby stuff that is rammed with kirby for one for Pokemon, one for Mario, one for Doom. I've got a Resident Evil one. I've got a Metroid one, a Near one. I've got a Tomb Raider one. Um, but I'll kind of just collect anything, really. Um, mostly so your, figures. Your collections are more theme based rather than type based. Like you, it, 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 me collecting Lego, it's Lego, so I collect it. Or yeah. But yes, you say you have like a, a shelf of Tomb Raider or a shelf of Kirby. Yeah. So everything to do with Kirby or everything to do with is on that shelf, sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm I mostly try and stick to figurines, um, as opposed to just like tat, not like pencils and empty cans <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, uh, like, worth, worthwhile know, collection. Cool yeah. stuff, really, like figurines and that sort of stuff. Um, but I will kind of collect it for any kind of video game. Like, to be honest, I've not played, uh, for example, Crisis. I've not played a Crisis game before. But I have a Crisis statue. Cool. And I, that that's the case for a lot of different franchises. I have an awful lot of random... I've got, like, all of the Loco Rocos, if you remember that game. I've got all of those. Um, yeah. I'll have to post some pictures again soon, because I have a, an awful lot of interesting random merch. I like random stuff, to be honest. Like if I if there's a random IP that you just don't see much of and that has some merch yeah. of that I'll grab that immediately. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so going back on to sort of NumScore and you mentioned obviously the game side of things earlier. Uh, what are the sort of exciting things that NumScore's got coming up? Oh yes. Yeah, so on the game side, so NumScore games doesn't really focus on a specific genre or anything. We kind of just pick by the title. So if it's good we'll pick it up that's that's kind of the end of it really um so we have uh, quite a lot coming up we've got the physical release of super epic coming up this month um that comes with a pin badge set so it comes with i think six to eight uh pin badges based on super nice. epic uh for those who don't know what that is it's like a metroidvania adventure game where it plays a raccoon that rides a, a burger eating llama and you quest to defeat the evil greedy pigs literal pigs that have taken over society with microtransactions. 
the game doesn't feature microtransactions. The game is sort of commentary on microtransactions. I would uh, say there's, there's quite a lot of allegory there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. With the microtransaction and pigs and whatever else. <laughs> yeah, when we signed that, I was like, we have to be very careful. We have to. Yeah. We're definitely never yeah. going to have microtransactions in a future game, right, guys? Because. Yes, you sort <laughs> of made your bed on that game. one, yeah. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're not the kind of games we publish anyway, so we're fine. Uh, but yeah, Super Oak's really fun. There's also um, QR codes in the game that you can scan with your mobile phone and play a little game that will unlock secret areas. Cool. Um, for those that don't have phones, there's no, like, progression isn't haunted by those areas. It's just, like, extra little bits and bobs. Um, as I think I touched upon earlier, Clive & Wrench, which is a 3D platformer uh, coming out for Nintendo Switch and PC. For me, that's, like, the game from us this year like, yeah. that's the one I saw it I was immediately in love with it um, I think just because when I first saw it uh, when it was first pitched to us I had just recently finished A Hat in Time so I was, uh, I was okay. hungry for yeah. like yeah. more of this kind of game and that's and the kind really of Ratchet and Clank yeah that's the kind of Ratchet and Clank sort of Spyro kind of yeah. mashup isn't like it classic yeah. platformer sort of stuff nice uh, and it looks amazing, like loads of varied worlds, bosses, the music's great, the character design is really wicked. Um, the developer is just super nice and super cool. And you can, it, it's, it is a passion project. Like, as I said, this is almost just one guy working on his own for nine years on this game. Wow. Um, and he's amazing to work with. Uh, and yeah, I just, I just want to, I just want to play it. <laughs> so I'm really happy to be working on it. Cool. Um, We've also got some other games. I won't mention everything because I don't want to say something that we haven't announced yet because I've been working <laughs> on some <laughs> unannounced stuff during the, during the day today. Um, but Ministry of Broadcast as well, which you may have seen at a lot of uh, gaming conventions. That's popped up a lot. It's like a dystopian sort of uh, cinematic platformer, like a Prince of Persia kind of kind of game. Um, so, yeah, some really exciting stuff happening. Really exciting stuff. Awesome. Um, I sort of like to ask these questions. Um, but if you weren't doing the job that you're doing what do you imagine you would be doing um so if i wasn't specifically doing video games pr i would be doing games journalism that's mm. that's my background i've worked okay. in full time um i still do a bit of freelance games journalism i would certainly be doing that um but that's a boring answer so assuming <laughs> i wouldn't be in games at all yeah not in games at all um i would probably be doing something in film or, or animation i'm can't do animation i'm not an artist but those are like my secondary passions behind games um yeah if i if i wasn't doing something in games i'd be doing something in in film or cartoons nice. um and obviously we're in our sort of lockdown isolation period at the moment and obviously we mm. spoke about animal crossing and how that's sort of uh sweeping the nation and making people stay indoors um what other games are getting you through this isolation period so I'm a I'm a March twentieth, twenty twenty boy. So I've been I've been completely juggling Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal. Like oh, okay. my evenings are literally playing a bit of Animal Crossing, doing all my chores and doing what I need to do, putting it down, putting Doom on. And there's so I mean obviously everyone's seen the memes and stuff of those two crossovers, but they they couldn't be more opposite. And yet, like I'm in complete bliss just juggling these two incredibly different games. Like I feel that they're both perfect examples of their respective genres mm -hmm. and it's like it's just so different like they're just going back and forth between them is amazing um other than that i finished ori in the blind forest recently because nice. um, one of the wisps is coming out one of the wisps yeah i hadn't played blind forest yet uh so got that done um and then i've got a backlog the size of mars so 
Hopefully, we're talking about this. Uh, one positive thing will come out of this lockdown is that I'll get through a couple more games. Absolutely. We are talking about this early, earlier in the podcast, and I think we talked about it on the last episode as well, particularly Matt. He's sort of saying he's got a JRPG uh, backlog as long as his arm sort of thing. So it's it, we can make the most of this situation to, uh, to, to get through some of that backlog. Um, beyond, and you're not allowed to say anything that you publish, um, but what game are you most looking forward to in 2020? Oh, that's easy. So it's um, so it's the Nier remake uh, of the original Nier, Nier mm-hmm. Replicant. Um, I grew up with the Drakengard series, so loved those. They were some of my favourite games. Nier Automata is a game that I do not shut up about. It is my favourite game of all time. Literally my absolute favourite game. Um, and very embarrassingly, I didn't play Nier. I have never played Nier. I, oh, I haven't played okay. the original Nier. Yeah. I don't know why I missed out on it when I loved Dragon Guard <laughs> so much. Um, so I'm really, really, really looking forward to playing that. Um, what else am I looking forward to? My gosh. Um, Resident Evil 3, I haven't, I, I haven't reviewed or anything, so I, I'm waiting on that. That's exciting. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake? I, um, I'm not someone that grew up with the original, but I am looking forward to that, literally just because the gameplay seems more like something I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a I love Kingdom Hearts so so this has like Kingdom Hearts sort of hack and slashy gameplay I really like that and then a bunch of indie games and stuff um, I'll probably fill the rest of my, my year with some indies so yeah for me it's like I never understand when games get delayed or or when people are disappointed with the Nintendo Direct and they complain it's like how do you people not have enough to play you, already? I, you can't I, be. If no yeah. game came out for the next three years, I'd be fine. We're not still free, fine. But I'd be fine <laughs> yeah. with my backlog. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, purely based on the last Nintendo Direct, um, the sort of surprise mini one. Um, I mean, the, the announcements in that was enough to keep a lot of people happy. I mean, 2K releasing uh, Borderlands, the whole sort of Borderlands 1, 2 prequel on Switch, um, releasing uh, Bioshock, all of the Bioshocks on Switch. It's That in itself is, is good enough to sort of keep you busy for the rest of the year, pretty much. But then, yeah, I mean, Smash obviously growing still, loads of other stuff coming. It's There's so much that's always coming out. And you've still got the big delays, the big delayed games, like uh, Cyberpunk and stuff coming out later in the year as well, which I think we're all sort of blowing a little bit 50-50 over at the moment. But I think it, it could have the strength to come round at the last minute. But hopefully that's that will land in September as planned. But again, with the current sort of crisis going on, we're not quite sure how all that's going to affect the sort of developments that are taking place at the moment. And of course, for me, there's... Um, the the next Lego uh, Skywalker saga. Um, oh yeah, oh. I, Lego I am saga. beyond uh, as as many people will obviously know. I'm a ridiculous Lego game nerd. Um, but yeah, being sort of like having that come out uh, later in the year. Um, I'm really looking forward to that actually. Yeah, me too. New engine as well, so it will feel a, a lot different as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, so we mentioned obviously all the sort of professional stuff, but personally. Um, what plans do you have once all this is blown over? <laughs> Personally, <laughs> right now we're staying indoors. Rush into every nearby restaurant and eat <laughs> yeah. all of their food. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, I I'm one of these people that I don't think I've been bored since I was ten. I I always have something to do. Always. 
because I don't do anything in small measures. So if I'm interested in video games, I'm interested in video games, and I consume myself with that. Same with film, same with animation, same with music. So I just always have so much to do. Um, I've got like sixteen thousand uh, like free indie games on my laptop that I need sorting through. I've got uh, heck knows how large a backlog. I always have stuff to do, but I am looking forward to getting out, um, getting some food going into London and seeing people because obviously I haven't yeah. been in any gaming events I can't see my, my, my friends I mean most of my friends are video game journalists or PR and stuff I can't see anyone um, so yeah same as most people really food and people food and, and people sometimes people is food yeah. <laughs> combine <laughs> yeah. the two why not combine the two exactly um, uh, lastly then um, how can listeners find out more about you and Numskull social media handles websites etc cool um, so for me personally you can mostly find me yapping on about video game news uh, on twitter at toads anime uh, for Numskull the social handles are at Numskull designs and at Numskull games on twitter instagram facebook so that's where we share all of our upcoming information we always have competitions going on so definitely take part in those they're usually really easy to enter it's usually just retweets and follows but there's some other stuff as well um so yeah catch up on all of our stuff there and uh, obviously numskull.com is where you can check out all our merch cool and you come here bearing gifts um with a better, like center <laughs> with an exciting competition yep um, so we're giving away three digital copies of Super Epic, the game we mentioned earlier with the llama and the raccoon and the burgers and the microtransactions. Um, those are three uh, Nintendo Switch codes for Super Epic. Excellent. And to enter, um, all people need to do is go to gamingmag.com forward slash podcast competition. That's just it, basically. Fill out the form and uh, be lucky and win some of those awesome codes from Numskull Games. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. This was wicked. Stay indoors. <laughs> Stay safe. Be healthy. And play that's Animal the... Exactly, yeah. Play Animal Crossing. Uh, Animal Crossing and Doom. Do you yeah. play one in each hand at the same time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a pro, yeah. What, left hand is the Switch. Right hand is Doom. Sometimes I get it modelled up and end up shooting Tom Nook in the head, but... Exactly. Fine. Well, I would anyway, because he's a racketeering raccoon. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us. No that's the end of our episode um a big thank you to uh, our guests earlier matt and ed and ryan again uh, and an even bigger thank you to you all for listening we're back in two weeks with our next episode but in the meantime keep up with all the lgbtq video gaming stories on gaming magazine and be sure to follow us on facebook and twitter so you don't miss any of these amazing stories we are at gaming mag stay safe stay indoors and keep gaming see you soon goodbye <laughs> <laughs>